So it's been a little while since we recorded one of these. Beat. I, I looked on Skype when we were logging in. I think it said May. It's it's December for anybody listening, but I think the last time was May. <laughs> Pete and I talk all the time, but we used to record more regular podcasts, and uh, which was the goal. Part of the goal of launching Ground Up was to also give transparency into the things that we're doing at Databox and and uh, use ourselves as examples whenever possible. So uh, we're recommitting to that, and uh, today is like our, our first, uh, uh, I guess, our relaunch. We relaunched Ground Up in the fall. I think we've had, uh, geez, close to 20 interviews since the fall. Has it been that many? Yeah, yeah, because we, we... As we, you know, I called you Monday and said, where's the podcast? And we're <laughs> skipping this week. But, and I said, we're breaking uh, for the holidays, but yeah. Taking a break for the holidays. Pete's jonesing but, for a new episode. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I listen to it while I, while I drive or while I exercise, one or the other. So if you're listening, we've had a, a bunch of interviews go out with, with other marketing leaders or sales leaders or founders um, at other companies that talk about their their behaviors and the processes they build internally and how they build their teams and how they prioritize and how they set goals. But what we will also want to do is supplement those with episodes where Pete and I are kind of just talking about um, some of the stuff we run into at Databox. Uh, how we do all this stuff, right? right? How yeah. we set our goals, how we pick our initiatives. Yeah. We give regular updates on those kinds of things. So today is is the first uh, the first episode uh, that we're going to be uh, calling just John and Pete. <laughs> so we're, okay. we're, we're, do we really need a name for it? No, Can we just no, not the show, it? not the show. It's just <laughs> it, these episodes in the feed will just say John and Pete. Got it. Got it. And uh, so you'll and just to be clear, you're John and I'm Pete. Yeah, I, yeah. This way, yeah, I'm John, uh, John Benini. I'm the director of marketing at Databox, and then of course Pete, uh, yeah. who's uh, I don't know what do you do here. <laughs> uh, some, I, I usually try to change the E but, and it means something different every day but cheap CEO and some days it's editing uh, sometimes, sometimes it's, it feels like chief entertainment officer but that's but yeah one. that's a good one I, don't know, I haven't figured out there's other ones too I'm I should have gave you more time yeah you could have came up with some good that's ones right. probably yeah yeah. but uh, so what we're going to do uh, we, we have some topics that we're going to cover but if there's things that you as a listener are curious about how we approach something specific at at Databox could be anything from, uh, you know, from from team building to goal setting to reporting to uh, hiring. I mean, anything that you're curious about, you can reach out to us on Twitter, or LinkedIn, email. I mean, it's it's twenty twenty twenty, right? You can, anywhere, um, mm. or we're just going to go through, uh, you know, some a, a list of topics that that we have to cover. Um, some of which I pull from Pete's Twitter feed because you, you have a history, <laughs> Pete, of tweeting very, very good, uh, yeah. sometimes controversial opinions, but it makes for great episode fodder. Yeah, whenever I have an idea or uh, think of a snappy way of saying something, and the first place I go is just to post it on Twitter. And so Billy, who's our director of sales and service, um, sometimes will call me and, and say, well, I read your tweet yesterday. Was that about <laughs> me? Uh, or... What do you mean by that one? So he, so sometimes he jokes that I'm managing him through Twitter, uh, which is not true. We also talk pretty much daily, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, not managing Twitter. I, I have thought that too before. I'm like, I've seen Twitter what... kind of forces uh, some like you to be succinct for me to be succinct. Obviously, anybody to be succinct because the character right. limit. So it forces you, I think, to be like succinct and maybe pithy a little. So you are a legendary subtweeter, though, in Billy's defense. So I could see why maybe he'd be like, "Is he tweeting about me?" Oh, is that what that means? Subtweet? Is oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's take a, an online, a real world thing, an IRL thing, sub, and like yeah, subtweeting is basically subtweet. yeah, subtweeting is just a nice way of saying you're you're kind of shit like talking, passive. but not mentioning who the person or company is. I say, oh, okay. I don't. Yeah, it generally it's positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, or if I part. do it in negative, I never mention the company. For the most which part. I, I try to only do if it which would, really which would be the uh, definition of subtweeting. You don't mention oh. the company. That's oh, why. Okay. All so, right. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Now I know. I thought subtweeting was just like something you do underneath another tweet or something. No, wow. no, no, no. Yeah, it's it's when I you're. Know that after it's, my it's usually it's usually use. negative, and you're not mentioning the other party, so people are wondering who you're talking about. the episode. About. I bet you everybody learned something. I know yeah, I, I did. <laughs> uh, all right. So today is actually is is from a uh, is from a tweet that Pete put out, and I thought it was perfect for sort of re relaunching um our sort of data box specific episodes of the ground up podcast 
Um, so tweet Peted, uh, Pete, Pete tweeted, <laughs> Pete, Pete tweeted, let's say that three times fast for anybody listening that laughed at me. Um, company performance, uh, company performance reporting is not a passive sport. Everyone in an org must be playing the game. If you aren't recalculating what's possible each quarter, resetting goals monthly and adapting your plan based on data on a weekly basis, you're just a spectator. And I thought that was brilliant. So I screenshotted it. <laughs> But I, I wanted to start just, just so everybody listening has an idea of what you mean. Company performance reporting is not a passive sport. Uh, yeah. So what like just at a high level, what did you mean by that? I think this is probably a subtweet, actually, now that you've educated <laughs> me. Um, I'm pretty sure this was in response to like – so in response to like some calls that I either listened to or um, – or chats that I observed. So uh, for those that don't know, we have a handful of people who uh, chat with our users, free users and our customers uh, every day to help them answer, to answer questions and help move, move, move them along and, and in getting value at a data box. And then we have a handful of people who um, can jump on calls and, and go a little deeper and, and help um, new users as well. And so I listen to, so I observe the chats. And I, I love, I love chat sales because I can observe and ex- see exactly what happened and all that. Um, and then I do listen to some recorded calls. We always ask for permission to record sales calls if you're talking to one of our uh, team members here. Um, and so I'll listen to those calls with the, with the intent of figuring out um, helping the individuals on our team uh, to figure out next steps. And so. I think I had observed a few chats and calls where people like it was clear all really people cared about was getting a report for their like monthly deck, right. um, and and we enable that um, enable that really well. We have some features that'll literally send you a, a snapshot of your performance um, by email whenever you want it, however frequently you want it, um, and so it's fine. But uh, I think. We know, and and our most successful customers are much more actively engaged in monitoring their data. I wouldn't say real time is necessary, but on a daily basis, weekly basis, um, and and then making decisions based on it. So they're making decisions on on their plans, on tweaking their plans in order to hit a goal or in order to hit, um, um, you know, a certain output that they know they need to hit um, to achieve a goal down the line, um, or their uh, tweaking, tweaking their goals on a monthly basis, right? If if uh, if you're down on one area of the business, and you can maybe improve another area of the business, so you might you know change the goal so that it's a little more aggressive for the area of the business where you know you can be more successfully achieve the goal or a higher target. Um, and then of course changing what you do uh, every so often, whether that's doing more of the stuff that's working or. Or right. trying something new, um, and you know, we, we suggest doing that on a quarterly basis, having that conversation and rethinking your strategy. So, um, so I guess for for me, like most companies are doing performance reporting as a passive sport. They basically produce the deck every month. It gets passed around. They might look at it in a meeting, but it's basically a rubber a rubber uh, a rubber stamp. Um, and and then they kind of just go back to what they were doing before. Uh, so 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 I, I right. it, it was a, this was a subtweet of probably a general frustration that I have. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and and so, so yeah, most people are waiting until they get this deck right to. Yeah. I wouldn't even say adjust their plan, right? Because they're they're probably just waiting to see it, and and then like you said, they go back to whatever they were doing before because maybe it's not as insightful for everyone in the organization as it could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know, most organizations, you know, if you just go back literally a decade ago, maybe maybe if you wanted to be a little more extreme, go back 20 years ago and nothing was connected. Um, it was really like you may or may not have used a CRM even in a larger organization. You may or, you certainly didn't use any marketing software um, that was, you know, tracking interactions with customers or anything like that. Uh, and so I think most organizations are still stuck in that world where they're flying blind. They're just doing what they decided to do. Right. Um, and to make a change, like it's a, it takes a 
back then at least, it took a real concerted effort in having people record what they were doing manually, which just didn't happen in most orgs. And therefore, you're just focused on like, what was the outcome last month or even last quarter? And what do we got to do about it? Um, you know, do we, you know, in, in sales, do we need to add more sales reps or fire some of the ones we have in marketing? Should we go to another trade show? Like these decisions were just long cycles where it would take forever to collect data and for, and, and, and changing your trajectory right. also took a long time, right? Imagine needing to do an extra trade show, which would be three months into the future in order to get right. your sales up that, that, and that was life literally, you know, maybe 10, definitely 20 years ago. So, so I think most organizations just haven't adapted and really thought through how they can use data to optimize and improve performance over time a lot faster than we could before. Big reason why we launched a training series too, uh, and just an overall methodology called predictable performance, uh, something you and I had kicked around for a while, Pete, and yeah. <laughs> put together a, a training course. We spent way too much time on, on just trying to come up with what the actual nuts and bolts of it yeah, look like. We definitely spent a month or two talking <laughs> about what we were going to name it, and then we spent a um, few months coming up with what it was, and then we spent a few months realizing that it was too complicated. Uh, mostly you guys pointing it out to me that it was too complicated right. and then we simplify it. And then you guys came up with a new version. And then we spent another three, six months, I think putting together the training uh, after, you know, implementing it ourselves and, and yeah, we didn't and tell you it was too complicated. Interviewing other customers and, and users and other companies and reading books and right. all kinds yeah. of stuff to, to come up with it. But yeah. Yeah. So we came up with this framework uh, or methodology around particular performance and it really, really aims at uh, the, the really the thesis behind it was doing exactly what you were mentioning is, 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 is transitioning away from like that uh, passive approach, making data more accessible, getting everyone involved, making it so everyone feels like they're able to influence and pr improve performance on a monthly basis, weekly basis. And so uh, you wrote a blog post a while back that really kind of sparked the uh, whole idea behind it, Pete, where you talked about like the, uh, the initiatives and goal setting process we use at DataBox, which was That's really right. the beginning. That, that was really the the spark that that started the whole predictable performance uh, conversation. Uh, yep. And I think that article you talked about setting initiatives quarterly, setting goals monthly, adapting your plans weekly, and then sharing results as they happen. Yeah. Uh, or it was an early iteration of that. That's um, right. Yeah. Which is what we were doing. I don't think like early on, and I think in most early early stage companies you're not doing enough things repeated right. repeatedly to really sit there and say this is what we can do 12 months from now and so our early planning cycle was was three month periods where we would say all right this is what we're going to do this quarter and sometimes that was you know let's do the stuff that we did this quarter and sometimes that was like all right let's try this one or maybe two new things in the early days i think we would take we would try too many new things like most companies do searching for yeah. searching for that thing that's going to help grow the business and uh but over time yeah i think we've settled into this quarterly quarterly cadence for at least communicating the initiatives it's and i think over time a lot of the quarterly initiatives become annual initiatives right. <laughs> as well <laughs> and that we just keep keep uh focused on um but and then over time i think be able to build more of an annual model around things where we can like confidently say that if we do these things in marketing and these things in sales and these things in in customer support that we can um you know hit this revenue target and be right. this profitable um and this is the headcount we need and and so but that obviously you need historical data and and experience uh and a good system for measuring both activity and outcomes right and so a lot of the feedback we uh, would get whenever we shared either that post or or just general feedback people have is like, what what does a quarterly initiative look like? Why is it, How is that different than a goal, than a monthly goal or an annual yeah. goal? So I figured mm -hmm. something we could do, Pete, is go through that framework and just yep. use some examples of Databox in the last, you know, say, 6, 12 months and yeah. things that we've sort of done in each bucket. Um and, you know, it's how we structured our whole reporting process internally, uh, although it's taken a little while, right, Pete? It's taken, I remember early on. Yeah. So we, we have every every director at the company puts together quarterly plans, right? And they publish those. Um, Pete's usually in the loop on all of those and, and providing feedback. 
and uh, and then once they're they're ready, they 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 usually go live. What like a week or two into the new quarter, <laughs> we could probably be better. About yeah, that. well, I, the 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 product org. So that we have we have uh, what, five directors. So uh, there's you that's running marketing, Billy running uh, sales and service, Andre running our data and integrations team. Uh, Gasper running uh, product and product growth, and then Euros running our engineering team, and so um, yeah, everybody writes a quarter uh, a quarterly write up on what they're gonna uh, do that quarter, and uh, yeah, the product team's usually a little bit uh, faster on the draw, but but you've been <laughs> good actually lately. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, each director puts together these quarterly plans. At the end of every month, we also put together a monthly write up. So using that quarterly plan sort of as a guidepost we put together some of the projects some of the uh some of the output that was you know executed on in a given month and yep. sort of how it worked and we share the numbers and that's that's kind of more at a high level too like here are the projects we're progressing and here are some of the ones that were not and why um here are the numbers here's how it's translating so everybody does that and then um there's also uh, a weekly update channel in a, in our Slack, that uh, if there's one area we could definitely get better, some of the teams uh, could get better at. It's probably that, right? And sharing like some of the specific things that we did every week. Yeah. Yep. So we we felt like if we were going to espouse this methodology, we needed to, you know, I mean, we were practicing some forms of this early on, but we need to get really good and disciplined at this as well, so we can educate on it and and, and train other people on it. But again, I want to go through some specific examples. Figured we'd start with the quarterly initiative. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. And so, yeah. So as I was saying, it, it, like in response to what you just said, I think we're good at the quarterly initiatives, and I think we're good at, and uh, especially on the customer-facing side of the business, setting monthly targets. Um, I think on the product side, they're actually better at uh, weekly updates and weekly planning and adopting the plan weekly. Um, at least in terms of communicating that, but, right. um, but, but yeah, it's, it's happened throughout the org, right. uh, very consistently. Yeah. And it's, uh, would you say it took, how long would you say it took to really get the habit? Cause I mean, you were really uh, the one early on pushing. Yeah, I think everybody. so. I think it's kind of like a merging of the Davern and the Davern, the data box founder and, and who leads product and the product teams kind of, uh, discipline around project planning communication combined with like the experience that um we have on the sales marketing service side uh around running the business and i think those kind of two things kind of came together but yeah it probably took took two years um to to really connect the two i, I we're not you know i don't think we're perfect we got right. improvement to do still but uh but yeah it takes it takes time to develop the cadence i think and really hold everybody accountable to it um and it takes time to uh get everybody writing updates in a similar way um setting goals and targets in a coordinated fashion so right uh yeah it takes time i think it just takes time to figure things out so that you kind of can be you can predict what will work and what won't work right yeah you're not going to get it right the first month right and just yeah i think for me, building the muscle memory, yeah. doing it every week or doing it every month, doing it every quarter, doing, I mean, you need to go through that cycle a few times and right. before you hit your stride and you know how to, how to position everything. Yep. Um, but getting into these specific examples. So for quarterly initiatives, yeah. so I'm going to give one as an example from marketing that you're well aware of Pete. And sure. so a lot of times what we'll do is some of these initiatives will, will be based off of current trends and performance. And so what we saw uh, I think it was Q3, um, traffic really the first six months of 2019, organic traffic uh, and website traffic in general had kind of was flat, right? And Yeah, it was decreasing a little bit, but not not much. We were kind of stuck in the 70 to 78,000 session range. It would fluctuate. Yeah. Some months it was 75. Some months we'd see 74. Yeah, I felt like we were going up maybe by a few thousand sessions per month, which is relatively flat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We at 60 to 60 to 80 range and we wanted to see step changes because really at the at that point the goal for the end of the year i think was around 100k right and we just weren't seeing we weren't seeing the results in what we were doing that we were confident we'd get there and we obviously wanted to make an adjustment early yep. um so one of our one of the quarterly initiatives for marketing typically there's anywhere another from, thing we saw too not to not to pile on here but but our 
our um, session, the sign-up rate was was slipping by not significant amounts, but but it was going down as opposed to going up. Like right. we were get for the amount of traffic we were getting a smaller percentage of signups. Right. Um, but we're still in the thousands of signups every month, but it was going down. Right. Right. And obviously, as 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 traffic, uh, where traffic tends to go, so does signups. But uh, in some cases, right, it uh, doesn't grow at the there's, same rate. There's always a nice ratio for us, but right. I think the the yeah the ratio. And I I'm spitballing a little bit, but I kind of remember like we maybe had like 3.9 percent of our sessions were turning into signups, and yeah, that and sounds we, right. Like three four, yeah, something like that. Yeah, around around four percent. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the initiatives, and typically there's anywhere from four to five initiatives maybe we'll focus on on a given quarter. Uh, one of them was we called historical optimization, which we kind of felt by, we had kind of focused on really continuing to publish, uh, you know, at that time, I think, you know, uh, a decent volume of content on our own blog that had gotten us to where we were, you know, the short tail from people sharing the content, some of the, the organic piece from when content would rank. But we didn't feel like by just doing that for the rest of the year that we were going to be able to hit our goals. So we made a bet that we could increase traffic significantly and still be on target to hit that goal by the end of the year by updating old content. So finding blog content that like our, our high performers that were ranking really high or or that were driving organic traffic, but they had slipped in the last three to six to 12 months. So some posts used to drive I don't know, just for argument's sake, like a thousand sessions a month. Now they were driving 450. And so we had like a handful. There was probably 20 of those types of posts to varying degrees um, that we prioritized. And working with a freelancer came up with a process for updating them. Uh, there's a blog post actually live uh, on the on our website right now that details the whole entire process. That's a whole nother podcast in itself uh, mm-hmm. on what we did and kind of what the process looked like. But that was one of our quarterly initiatives. So it was based on a, a data point. Our traffic was was flat. Sessions to sign up uh, kind of as a result was uh, was was kind of – we were seeing a lull there as well. So we made a bet that updating old blog content would get us to where we needed to be. Um, I don't think we fully anticipated maybe how effective it could be. So that uh, was a quarterly initiative that worked out fairly well. Not at all. I think – didn't we have a bet along there? Didn't, didn't yeah, I so bet against it? There was I, a famous bet. I said I didn't think it would work. And no, so basically. you didn't say it wouldn't work. So what happened was uh, the first month, I, I didn't. none of us thought it would work as immediate as it did. So right. literally, if you look at the blog post that we published, you'll see some of the posts. It was like literally the next day after we yeah. updated the post, there'd be a spike in sessions, organic sessions. Right. And this happened pretty much across the board. And so the first month, I think we went from like 70... I want to say like 77,000 sessions to 93,000 sessions in a month, in 30 days. And so it was the biggest, like for for being stagnant and flat for six months at that point to going from 93 that quickly, it, it was a huge win. Yeah. And the bet came where uh, I was like, okay, well, next month. We're going for a hundred. It's like getting getting in like on getting to the playoffs on like a wild card, right? And then, take, and then winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. it was it was a pretty big deal. And, and your your what you said was I don't know if we'll be able to repeat that again. I mean, it was probably like a one time. Yeah, well, you had optimized the post that had the greatest drop, like the first ten articles that you did, which gave us right. that pop. They were all like just just to make the example, they were all doing like a thousand sessions a month or something like that, but had dropped to like five hundred sessions a month. And so we did the math and like, all right, well, that's what you got. And then we did the math on the next ten, and it was like right. they were doing maybe uh, they would drop from like eight hundred sessions a month or four hundred sessions a month to three hundred sessions a month. And so it just didn't seem seem like there's the a biggest opportunity there. there. Yeah, yeah. this seemed like you were done. It was done. We were done. <laughs> right. So what I had, what my bet but there was, was that some of the keywords that these posts were targeting were high volume keywords that I didn't think that we could just make up for the traffic that we lost, but I thought that we had an opportunity to just rank higher in general and just steal more of the 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 market share there for for traffic for specific keywords if we just really optimize those posts. Right. And so for some like of those, one posts, of them I remember was what, um, like, what is a KPI? I'm like, there's you were on the second page, like the people that have been that are on the first page have been, been there forever, creating yeah. content marketing for like 10 years longer than us. It's just it's not going to happen. And then it worked. 
And so, yeah, the following month we did 103,000 sessions. And the bet was whoever Pete bet that we couldn't hit 100 uh, the very next month. I said we could. We did. And then the bet was a case of Treehouse beer. So Right. right. For those of you who don't know, Treehouse beer is like the number one brewery in the country. And we're lucky to have them equidistant from where I live. So Yeah. um, So it was a good – it was a good bet so for I've, me. I've <laughs> and I, a case of beer from them is is more than a hundred bucks. So I Venmoed him the money. It was the first time I ever used Venmo, and uh, he's enjoyed the beer. Now he goes all the time. Yeah. buying your own beer. Look me up on Untapped. I, I've been writing <laughs> all the beers as I go. Hundred bucks for a hundred thousand sessions. So that's that's what. It, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that was uh, so, and that, and that's one. So uh, that's the that's the major point part of John's competition. <laughs> at this point, right? Yeah, beer. pretty much. So. Uh, <laughs> So now we're we're upwards of uh, we're just shy of 140,000 sessions here coming up on the end of the year, uh, where, where we've been, and so that project really helped us. Uh, obviously, almost double or tra- uh, uh, traffic, but really that quarterly initiative uh, was one that we're super proud of on the marketing side. But just an example of a quarterly initiative that uh, was based on a data point, a trend that we were seeing in the data. Um, you know, we met, we made a bet, you know, had some conversations as, as a group, what's something we thought we could influence, uh, you know, relatively, I don't want to say easily, but what's something we think we could influence that has a high probability of working out. Um, and it did. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just one example. Like I said, we, we usually have about four or five right. initiatives. I don't know if every team is like that, Pete, you would know, like you see every single, uh, I know you, you help or you're involved in, oh, in most of the, the other teams. Most, no, I think that's a standout initiative it just kind of worked well um i meant the number of initiatives is it usually four or five oh, a quarter oh, oh, oh. um well you read the write-up so you know i think i think like for sales and service which we by the way we treat as one because we generally take a very similar approach whether you're a user or a customer we prioritize customer support but um but we we offer free support to everybody and our approach is simply just to help you set up and use the product. Um, we're not really selling in the way, in the classic sense of qualifying people for budget or timing and all that. We're just kind of helping people that want the help. And so, um, so anyways, on the sales service side, we probably have more initiatives because we have a much bigger team there. Uh, almost, uh, almost half the team is in uh, sales and support and customer customer success, I should say, because we have some account management and other other roles as well. Um, but yeah, they probably there's probably twelve initiatives there that are we highlight in our quarterly write up. I'd say. Um, but then I think another important part is like there's a bunch of initiatives that roll forward. Like we you, in yours, for example, editorial content creation is is always there, right? And we, we and sometimes we right. and over the year you've up upgraded or increased the volume of that. So. Um, it's not like, uh, it's not like we're coming up with something new every quarter. Right. Right. Of course. Right. There are some things that, yeah, that, that, that stay constant. Yeah. Um, so I want to move us along. So the I next- think there's a little bit of an art to picking the initiatives. Like that wasn't the only initiative we, we no. bet on. We did prioritize the historical one based off of the quick success, but, but, uh, yeah. And then once that really, for each one of those, there's probably one or two that, that, uh, don't go anywhere. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so moving along from quarterly initiatives, really the next the next part of the framework that that uh, that we follow is is setting monthly goals. Yep. Um, and I, I love your saying your 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 little uh, uh, tweetable line on this Pete, which is what is it? Short term goals inspire short term. So I, I don't want to butcher it. What, what do you? Oh yeah, yeah. Long term goals and uh, cause procrastination. Short term goals inspire. Uh, uh, Short-term action, something like that. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might say it the other way around. I can't remember. Yeah, you, you Google it. Uh, but yeah, but I, the, the general gist is if if you only set long-term goals, like an annual, then there's goal, really right. no motivation for anybody to act today with urgency to get to make progress towards that goal. Um, well, like an example, like an annual goal. If you have just an yeah, annual traffic yeah. goal, why salespeople have quarterly and monthly sales targets instead of annual? Although they have an annual quota. Um, they need to hit monthly and quarterly targets to keep their job in most sales orgs. Um, or, you know, same thing, like you, you have a target for the volume mm-hmm. of content that we publish. And it's not like one or two 
articles less or more is going to make or break us, but uh, it keeps everybody on target so that you consistently publish as opposed to like putting that aside and, you know, then, then you find yourself in a position where you have too much to do in too little time. So, so short, yeah, short, setting short-term targets, um, inspire people to, to act, uh, act in the short term. Right. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, I had an example here for, for goals. Um, by following this whole framework, you're able to be more adaptable, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. If you're able to be more adaptable, you're able to more, uh, you know, address problems or or lean into things when they're working, and more predictably improve right. uh, areas of your business. So, for us, as an example of this, uh, again, going back to the historical optimization project, we we shattered the year end goal what we were looking at for for sessions, um, you know, in September or something like that. That's but right. what we saw was the sign up the conversion rate while our signups were increasing and we were seeing record number of product signups uh, the session to sign up rate wasn't keeping pace and there could be a few reasons for that you know right. we were we were we also we also our sign up to customer rate went down a bit too so like right. even though we were growing traffic you you looking at it at a high level you could argue that the traffic wasn't as qualified because they were signing up less at a lower rate and they were becoming customer at a lower rate whether it's that simple or not i don't know but that like that's what the numbers told us so um so uh so yeah, adapt, we, we kind of had a choice our goals yeah, yeah we kind of had a choice at that point which is you know can we improve the visit to sign up conversion rate right now at this point, like which could be a little more tricky, right? There could be uh, it's a muscle we have developed, although I think it's totally possible. We just, it's not right. something we good at right now. Or could we increase the goals for traffic and signups and yeah. in support of sort of the rest of the funnel, which is what we ended up doing. Right. We increased it pretty significantly. Um, right. And based on what we were seeing from the historical optimization project, we were able to 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 hit those goals. Um, right. But again, if we were waiting, you also, well, you also you continued with some of that, some of the optimization. You also sure. increased the volume of content that you were publishing. You also started doing some email marketing. You you did a bunch of things, I think, to support that ultimate goal of of getting more traffic. Right. And signups. Right. Yeah. But the point being, what we did, we were able to be more adaptable. Uh, because we were kind of breaking things down into quarterly initiatives, into monthly goals, and adapt. And as we're going to get into in a sec, adapting our plans weekly. Um, right. And as a result, we you know we we see these trends. We're looking at the data all the time. We don't have to work to go find it. And so we're able to see these trends, and we made the adjustment. And uh, you know uh, the the set the visit to sign up is a is is something we're we're going to continue working on, but in a short term what we felt like we could influence was, okay, mm-hmm. let's increase traffic then. Uh, that's another way to, you know, just increase the volume into the funnel. And that's another way for us to hit our goals. Yep. Um, so uh, that's an example of a monthly goal and one that was adapted uh, really at the, at the end of the year here, midway through Q4 or at the beginning of Q4. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We had set some target. So we have, uh, as you know, we have an annual model where we set a lot of these key numbers uh, and we set them with monthly targets, but then we revisit them um, when when appropriate, when necessary. Um, so if we're off targets somewhere, we take a look at what we can improve upon uh, and tweak the model and reset the targets. So I think when uh, I think we're still pretty early. Like there's a lot of things we need to do as a business to to um, to continue, you know, growing at the rate we're growing and. Uh, it's really hard to predict everything perfectly, but by having an annual model and then being being open to uh, checking it every month and saying, all right, well, this goal is going to be really hard and this one might be a little easier. And if we overperform here, it allows us to underperform over here. So, you know, we're balancing out both our profitability, balancing out the happiness uh, and workload of our team. And so trying to make those trade-offs, the um, we wouldn't be able to make those trade-offs unless we were open to resetting goals, both up and down in some areas of the business. Right. Uh, which segues good into the next one, which is adapting, adapting your plan weekly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you had a, you have a good example. Uh, th- this is one we've, we've, 
we've we get a lot of questions about too it's just like oh how do you how how do you you know how are you able to just adjust your whole plan week to week you make plans ahead of time like the team has to know what they're doing especially in the agency world too where they have clients right and they have sure. hours and things like that um but you yeah i think the whole team needs to be uh, first of all to make it happen the whole team needs to be coordinated yeah. and doing some doing things similarly but keep going so but you had a good example uh for uh, on the customer success, uh, success and sales side, um, yeah. uh, uh, of when a close rate kind of had dipped down a bit. Do you want to share that one? Yeah. So just to get everybody up to speed a little bit, I think we at the end of last year, the beginning of last year, we I did a a podcast with Brian Mosley, who was with us and 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 basically did and ran our sales efforts for two years in our early years there. Of growing and uh, and he was he was on his way out. He went and got a, another gig and uh, and so we were basically left with one person who had just joined the team uh, selling and uh, Brian had a, you know a good eight years of selling experience um, so he was doing great and so at this point fast forward we now have uh, actually ten people as of January um, who are uh, on our we call it pre sales uh, pre sales support. Um, cause we don't, we don't consider them salespeople. Um, and, uh, and so there's a bunch of people that do chat, as I mentioned, and a bunch of people that do, that, um, are a little more senior people on the team, um, who will jump on calls and, and help people set up. So there's, uh, three people there. And, um, and what we realized is that our original sale, our original model, which was based off of Brian's data, um, uh, we needed, you know, a certain amount of deals, and and um, in order to hit our MRR, our monthly recurring revenue growth targets, and we were off there. Our our, our close rate was a little off. Um, like like I said, we weren't really selling. We're helping people set up. So, uh, whereas Brian, I think, was pretty good at figuring out, like, is this person going to sell, uh, buy, and should I spend time with them or not. And so when we realized that our, our close rate was just too high, we had, to, we had to change that in the model, which basically means we needed to increase our activity in order to identify more sales opportunities. Luckily, the marketing, our marketing produces nearly 5,000 signups a month, so there's plenty of opportunities there that are untapped. Uh, and so one of the things we decided to do um, very quickly is – um, when we when we kind of realized that like the close rate wasn't going to get any higher, uh, and we were confident that our sales team could could do a good job there, um, and we wanted to get more calls booked, we basically uh, just increased the number of uh, of auto messages that go out from our chat tool, so that um, so that we were starting conversations with more of our users, uh, and that and that had a, a a quick impact in increasing the activity level. Uh, the number of engagements that we we're having with users, uh, the number of calls we we're having, the number of deals we we're having, um, are uh, coincidentally over time. Also, our close rate went back up a little bit, and uh, and so, you know, it, it, we were able to do a pretty quick improvement. Now, none of that would have been able to happen unless Billy was managing the team well. Um, you know, we have targets for every person on the team. Um, those roll up to group targets. Uh, we don't commission anybody. Um, everyone's paid, uh, you know, paid a, a salary, but um, but uh, they do have targets they hit, and the team targets everybody takes seriously. Uh, and then every week, um, there's one-on-ones with everybody on the team, and there's team meetings where we roll out things. So uh, we are able to quickly implement that stuff communicate what we were doing to the team get everybody prepared uh increase the the activity targets a little bit and and move pretty quickly so um so i think that's an example of of um yeah adopting the plan weekly i'd say that the um uh the the diligence that the product team had hits here too on, on doing stuff the same way like on the customer side um we uh, we have, you know, thousands of, of interactions with customers every month and they ask us for things. They ask us to have, you know, if they can visualize a specific metric from one of our integrations, they ask for improvements to features, et cetera. And the product team actually does a really good job of with the CS team tracking what that is and actually adapting their plan as well. Um, for example, we just rolled out, um, 
some a, a change where you can uh, go, log into DataBox, and if you uh, you invite someone to connect a data source, so if you don't have access to say your Google Analytics account and you want your admin to connect it for you, you can do that. And now we just rolled out a feature where you can see the pending requests that you've sent. Seems like a no-brainer, but you know we didn't build it and didn't really know it was needed until we had enough requests for it. So. Um, so I think the product team is actually a really good example of kind of adapting their their plans and, and being nimble right. as well. All right. I feel like there's no bigger morale boost than when you make uh, make an adjustment and it works, right? Yeah. Like on the fly. When you see something, either a number's low uh, and, and you make an adjustment, it almost feels better than if it was working great all along. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that, but it's just like when you right. make that adjustment, it just it, right it makes you look pretty smart. You figured it out. Well, as a group too, it just it, it, it proves that the, the the group has like you know has the stomach for it, right? Like you yeah. know you, you can look at numbers down, and you know some people can get scared and shrink from that. Um, but when a, when the group comes together, you make an adjustment, and then it works. It just it's just a huge, I think, morale boost for the group uh, when that happens. Yeah, uh, and you had it. You had a good example. Uh, on the marketing side with our marketing prospecting efforts that you do. Yeah. So that's one that we, we make adjustments on. So and anybody that's, that's a, a reader of our blog notices that a lot of the posts, most of the posts we put out feature insights. It's a very, very journalistic format features quotes and insights from tons of other marketers or salespeople or customer support reps, uh, whatever the topic may be. And um, so you see the blog post in its, you know, in its published form, but on the back end, there's a lot that goes into making that happen, right? We have uh, two people on the marketing team that, uh, in in some capacity, are working to um, gather in new contributors to our content, uh, generate con- uh, generate responses to open um, reports that we have. Uh, that we're currently looking for responses for. And we're typically looking for, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 responses for any given, I mean, as many as possible, but um, we're looking to hit at least 50 responses until we consider a post is is ready to be considered for publication. So some weeks, um, that number will be lower, the number of new responses or the number of people that we've prospected to that week. So because we track all of this, uh, we have separate metrics for how many people ha- have we prospected, how many people have connected back with us, how many people have actually filled out the survey and become a contributor. Uh, because we see each area of the funnel, we've broken it out into separate metrics and visualized it in a funnel format, we know exactly maybe where we're short. And so some months when we're, no- we're low on new contributions, there's things that we'll look at. Have we prospected to enough people? If we have, is the number of people connecting back with us low? As a result, should we adjust our our outreach uh, approach? Um, or, you know, uh, one thing that we tried recently was, you know, we were promoting, I think, four reports every single week on uh, through our email list. to the, So our past contributors, which by now I think numbers around 5,000 people. So we, we give them first crack at all new reports. And we usually promote four new opportunities for them every week. Um, and we also do that, uh, we use the Haro tool as well, uh, to find new contributors. And so what Spela and I, who's, who's a marketing coordinator on the team and helps, uh, gather new contributions. What we did was we increased the volume. We doubled it. So we did eight in the email, eight new, uh, reports for people to contribute to and eight new ones on Haro that people could contribute to based on what we were seeing. We were below the goal line in terms of getting new contributions, which can affect our whole content editorial. If we're low on contributions, um, uh, reports aren't going to be ready to be written. Um, it's going to take longer for them to be written, uh, which in turn is going to mean our publishing frequency might go down, which again, affects everything, traffic, signups. And so we need that really number to, to continue to at least stay at the goal line or keep growing. So, uh, because it also directly impacts our kind of like our our social outreach too is right. more more people that contribute the more are are involved in sharing the content sure, yeah, yeah. it also the more people directly get introduced to databox uh, they don't all sign up or become customers but but um some of you know some of them eventually do so right it's a important part of our, of right. our marketing strategy in a few ways so our our weekly marketing meeting we kind of go through all of these different 
areas of leverage, not just on the on the prospecting side throughout the whole marketing uh, function. But um, that was one. That's one in particular that w- there's a lot of things that we could do. It feels like week in and week out, based on what we're seeing. If it's low, you know, we can we can promote more. We can put more. You know, we could put more uh, surveys in the funnel and create more ideas if if we just don't, you know, if we see that, you know, we're just not, we don't have enough to prospect with. So that's one area that we look at every single week and we adapt based on, you know, what we're seeing. Um, and yeah, when we made that change recently, we we definitely, it was the first month, I think, uh, that we had surpassed the goal line for new contributions in, in a couple of months. Um, there was other factors involved, of course. But uh, yeah, by making that change and increasing the volume, we were able to sort of course correct and and increase our, our new contributions to our content, which is which is going to pay dividends now and you know going forward. So again, not something we would we would necessarily see um, if we were passive observers or just showing outcome metrics every single month in a slide deck. Um, yep. And then the last one really is is sharing uh, sharing results as they happen, which mm. is uh, which can be tough if you don't you know, if, if you're, if you're not tuned in or you have to go search for the data. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know we have, a, we have a big wins channel, we call it. It's not, mm-hmm. I guess they're not, they're not technically big wins. Right. Uh, but we, we, you, we, you created that channel, Pete, really. Right. Like as a way for people to share sort of, yeah, like, yeah. This the, is, the, uh, you know. I don't know where Dan Tyre originally got it, but Dan Tyre at HubSpot who I worked with for nine years there. Um, used to used to champion this we used to have a monthly a monthly deck a uh, monthly meeting where we would give an update to the whole team about how the team is performing celebrate people like kind of at the top of the leaderboard and and then of course communicate any changes that are happening right. across the company and everything and so um there was always a section for big wins i think we'd usually lead off with them actually um and and you know it could be a happy customer, it could be a salesperson doing extremely well, it could be a marketing campaign that went really well. Like it was all these different things. But the idea is to celebrate the win, the team's wins or individuals' wins as they happen. Um, and I think it's it's motivating, right? Is in a in any business, there's there's bad news. There's there's customers who cancel or or customers are just pissed off there's uh you know there's there's targets you you miss and sometimes you got to work a little harder and so the big wins i think just helps keep everybody motivated and reminds everybody why we're doing things so we share we share a bunch of different things in there when when people compliment our product when people compliment our customer experience the customer service experience when when uh, when people compliment our content, uh, yesterday one of our partners published a, a video about us, and that went in there because like we didn't ask him to do it; he just did it. Uh, and so that's a big win that somebody thought highly enough of us and took the time to produce. Next to marketing, yes, check it Kate. out. Uh, and team, the great team, and um, so yeah, those those things I think are important. Uh, to to share so yeah with slack these days it makes it pretty easy we have a big wins channel and it was generally a day doesn't go by without something getting shared in there yeah is that your favorite channel to check in on uh yeah it's because it's always positive (laughs) (laughs) by nature yeah yeah uh so yeah i mean that that's a that's a i'll say brief because it's been what uh over 40 minutes but that that's that's a that's a, a a rough overview of of sort of the framework that we follow at Databox and how we how we uh, sort of prevent ourselves and everyone really at the company from being passive observers. I think the best part about it is when other people on the team, uh, so sort of people I'm managing, see data and they bring it to me and say, oh, like sometimes Ray or Spela will see something on the prospecting funnel or see something on the marketing funnel. Or they'll see yeah. our traffic spiked uh, because a post really took off, and they'll share it with me, and I feel like that's the best because yeah. they have access to it and they're able to 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 sort of take something from it in real time and ask questions about it or just like share a win in the win channel. And yeah. I think that that's that's the most fun part for me is just uh, seeing everybody uh, being able to have access to it and understand what's going on. Right, I think the part of part of the process of 
doing the quarterly, you know, communicating what you're going to work on for the quarter, communicating how the month performed each month, like all of that serves to to train the team on how the business is run and what the levers are and why certain things are important, why we're doing certain things, why we're not doing certain things. And uh, I think that that in itself enables a uh, company to uh, everybody in the company to to actively identify areas for improvement and, and certainly recognize when things are going well or when they're not. Um, I think was it Mike Volpe? Yeah, I think he Mike Volpe, who's the CEO of Lola. He was a former CMO at HubSpot, and he and I worked together for a while. Um, shared something on LinkedIn the other day where he's been at Lola, I think now CEO for a year, and. Uh, I guess you know, go, doing very similar things and sharing sharing the performance of the company with everybody in the company, and uh, there was some some occasion I think where he said like it was the f- the first time somebody like presented it back to him or something like that, yeah. and and um, you know after a year of communicating it in a consistent fashion, I think we're at a similar point where by communicating so transparently about. The numbers, why we're doing what we're doing, all that stuff. Um, you know, it, it enables everybody to to come up with new ideas and and spot when something's off. Right. the The anecdote to passive reporting. Really, that, that was a great mm-hmm. way to close it, Pete. The uh, antidote. There you go. <laughs> when everybody's reporting things back to you, or they're coming up with the big wins, right? That's there the you go. Exact opposite right. of, of being a passive observer. Right. Uh, so uh, so yeah. Well it, done. That was totally by accident, but I like that. Active. Uh, Actively reporting. If you have any questions on any of this stuff, obviously we've we've written about it, but we could certainly expand on it more. Uh, You know, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Tweet at us, LinkedIn, email. And and if there's companies out there that think they're good at this, they might use different words than us or whatever, but you'd love to interview them on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about it. We'd love to highlight you. Yeah. Um, either We're not, we know we came up with our own lexicon, our own training. You, you heard John and I say outcome metrics and and output metrics and quarterly initiatives. And but if you have different terms, but are, are accomplishing the same objective of of getting your whole team to be involved in improving your performance, we want to hear about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any parting words of wisdom, Pete? Um, no, I think we gave enough. Yeah, I think I think we did. All right. Thank you for listening uh, to this to this relaunch. We'll be back again very soon. And like I said at the beginning, if there's anything you want to see covered or you're interested to see how how we're what we're doing or how we're doing it at Databox, let us know and we'll be sure to cover it. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.